0: IWT.com slash Philly and IWT.com slash Boston.
1: How can you expect to afford a dog whenever you're saddled with so much debt you can't see out of it? Like, she says this to me a few times a week, right? And she's right. And, you know, I saw it whenever we were dating, you know, down for whatever. Alex was always down to, like, go on a quick trip or, you know, just do whatever. Now, she's become so much more uptight. The concern of money is always on her mind. Just, it's just It just brings her down, you know? And I, I hate to see that. It makes me feel like I'm the problem, you know? At least that's the way it makes me feel, like I'm the one that's bringing in the problems and she's the one that's cleaning up after the mess.
0: What do you do if in your relationship, one of you is interested in talking about money and the other one just wants to avoid it? This is common in lots of couples. Inevitably, the more interested person starts trying to talk about money. Then they get ignored. That escalates to nagging the other person about money. That gets ignored, which then leads to resentment, which can lead to much worse. Money is unlike some of the usual things that we delegate. In lots of relationships, one person might be in charge of emptying the dishwasher. Another might be in charge of mowing the lawn or taking out the trash. But money isn't like that. It's not something that can be delegated to your partner. It's not something that can be delegated to an outsider. It applies to so much in our lives that both partners have to be engaged with it. In that way, money is more like parenting. You'll almost never hear about one partner who's solely in charge of parenting. So why do we think that's okay with money? Today, we're meeting Alex and Nicole, who are engaged. Now, Nicole does not deal with their finances. She doesn't want to engage with it, and she prefers to ignore it. That puts Alex in the difficult position of having to handle the finances on her own. And that's setting them up for resentment. Now, if you've heard couples like this, The advice usually consists of someone berating the non-engaged partner, saying things like, you really have to get involved. It's important. Seriously. I don't find that that approach works at all. So in today's episode, you're going to hear what I do to hopefully get Nicole engaged with money. I'm Ramit Sethi. Welcome to I Will Teach You To Be Rich.
1: I... Unabashedly want to go out and explore the world and not have any restraints, right? Alex is much more cautious. We bump heads quite a bit on things that we can do, things we can't afford, things we can't afford. Specifically, I want to get a dog, right? Like okay. that's kind of my number. I want a doodle or a shelter dog. I really want a dog. I work alone at home all day with the pandemic. So Alex is out in the world she goes to work three times a week. I'm at home alone all day. I need a companion, you know, just interaction. That's like my end all be all right now. It's like our first step, I think, into starting a family, into building a life together and I don't know, taking care of something together.
0: So you bring up to her, Hey, uh, I really want a dog. And you know, you've got the type of dog in your mind. I wouldn't be surprised if you have what, a Pinterest board or some Instagram things you save?
2: Sure, I even have a name. So,
0: okay, so you've <laughs> gone that far. Great. You're really into having this dog.
2: I don't want to sound awful, but like if I was by myself, I would have a dog. Because my concern with the dog, it's not really per se a monetary issue. It's more of because we're not on the same plan as far as like the steps that we want to take. I know that. Nicole struggles a lot with the concept of time. So I know she gets really involved with the job, which is totally great, but she struggles with separating the work-life balance, which is very common. So I feel like having a dog would just add an extra thing for me to do and wouldn't be as much of an enjoyment to have a dog. Like I want to have a dog. It would be more like at the end, I would have to Take care of the dog, bring it to the vet, like all of that stuff, because I have more of a, I created more separation between my work and my life. So it's just more work-life balance that works for me.
0: So is it a lifestyle question? Is there any financial element of this that troubles you or is it just you'd end up having to walk the dog?
2: I think it's a little bit of everything. Also, like I'm originally from Europe. So that means that if we leave and go overseas, it's usually for about a month. We can't bring the dog with us as easily, especially if it's a bigger dog. So it would be like, okay, then on top of all the regular bills that anyone has, then we would have to figure out what where, what do we do with the dog? I also don't want a constraint of like, if I want to travel hmm. to just be able to do it, because I have to worry about what do we do with the dog?
0: Okay. Nicole.
1: I think that Alex is skipping over like her mantra that she says all the time, which is how can you expect to afford a dog whenever you're saddled with so much debt, you can't see out of it. Like she says this to me a few times a week. Right. And she's right. I see the merit in that, of course. Right. But There's also an element to me that's like, let's live for now, you know, like we're going to have this debt, whether we like it or not, until we pay it off.
0: Most of this is very unsurprising so far. We have one partner, Alex, who wants her partner, Nicole, to care more about money. And Nicole has this philosophy. I want to live for today. I don't want to save everything for tomorrow. She almost talks about it as if it's. A surprise, as if it's something unique. But that's like someone sitting down at a restaurant, spending 10 minutes studying the dessert menu, and then leaning in and whispering to the server, um, you know what I think I'll have? The chocolate cake. It's like, uh, yeah, 90% of people who walk in this place order the chocolate cake. I could spot you were going to order that 10 miles away. But in order to change, people need to feel heard. And I want Alex and Nicole to feel heard. Even though this beginning part is rarely a surprise to me, it's important for me to let them get their stories out. And I will say the individual wrinkles of these stories are always, always fascinating and usually quite surprising. It turns out that Nicole has a significant amount of student loan debt, which Alex didn't know about until very recently, like when they got engaged. Not surprisingly, this has been a source of, of conflict.
2: It was kind of a shock because I was like, I know this person. I know that she's very competitive. She's extremely good at her job. But then she had no idea what was going on when it came to the student loans. How can she not have a plan? How can she it was more like understanding like she did not see this student loans are like it's that We got engaged and it was something that I knew she had student loans. And again, I'm very fortunate for me not to have any. So when we got engaged, I was thinking, you know, it might be a good idea to assess our finances together, see what we can do better, what we're doing well, see where we at so that then we can sort of like have a clearer understanding of what our path in the next few years can be. So we just logged in, looked down at the numbers and realized that her payment was supposed to be X amount and she was paying the minimum. And the interest that she was accruing every month was three or four times what the minimum that she was paying for was. I believe my reaction was something (laughs) kind of like, are you nuts? (laughs) um, just (laughs) because I knew how much she was making. So I just couldn't comprehend, like, I just couldn't logically comprehend how she could be making a certain, that much money, but also contributing so little to repaying debt when it wouldn't have hurt her her living style or, you know, anything that she wanted to do in a private life, basically.
0: Okay. Nicole. So here you are in this Conversation. How long after you got engaged did this conversation happen?
1: Like within weeks. So okay. it was a bombshell, definitely that I dropped on her.
0: Did you bring it up or did Alex bring it up?
1: Alex brought it up. Alex, you know, we're talking about our future, our money situation, you know, wedding planning. You're going to talk about budget, finances. And so I I let the ball drop at the time. It was about a hundred thousand dollars worth of student debt. So,
0: and how much is it today?
1: Today we've knocked it down about I think around the seventy thousand dollars. But also, I'm still not super connected with it. I so Alex is the one that handles most of that and like knowing where it is.
0: So, okay, wait, wait hold, on, hold on. Okay, yeah, yes, we'll get to all of that. But how come you just? blazed right by the fact that you've taken it from 100 to 70K. That's pretty impressive. Remember my philosophy, take the win. So many of us live under constant stress when it comes to money. When we look at our numbers, we actually start holding our breath. When we even think about our finances, our heart starts beating faster, which means that when something good actually happens, we rarely pause and acknowledge it. We hardly ever celebrate it. Do you realize how much that sucks? You spend your entire lives feeling bad about money. Then when something good happens, you just glumly take another bite of that bagel and go, ho-hum, and then you go on with your day. I used to have this problem. I'm not naturally a celebrate kind of guy. So when we'd launch something huge, I would go, nice job, and then I'd get right back to work. What's next? It was my wife who finally told me, hey, you just published a second edition of your book. You were in Times Square. We need to celebrate. And she was right. We have to take the win to celebrate when something good happens. And when I say celebrate, it could be something as simple as a candle on a piece of cake or as exotic as an international vacation. But it has to be something you take the time to mark something you look back on a year from now and remember it. Those celebrations seem small, but they are part of the journey to treating money with respect and joy. If you ever follow me on Instagram, sometimes you'll see me post about my behind-the-scenes travel experiences, coffee tours, salsa-making classes in Mexico, all kinds of culinary stuff in India. And I'll get a lot of people saying, where do I find that Kyoto notepad maker that you found. And one place you can find that is Viator. In fact, my wife and I used Viator to book a Segway tour where we took a tour of a new city and we had an amazing experience, something we never would have thought of doing on our own. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. And with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everybody. T samples with my link, peaklife.com slash remit. That's P-I-Q-U-E-L-I-F-E dot com slash remit. R-A-M-I-T.
1: It's all because of Alex, because she put me on a plan. She really kind of sat down and organized our finances and um, you know, made a Real strategy for what to do. So Mm -hmm. it it was impressive, but it's all it's all her, you know. Unfortunately, I still don't know much about how we got there. I guess or um, the real the real beats that it took to get there. I just am not as connected as I should be with it. You want to be? No,
0: (laughs) but thank you for being honest. (laughs) I actually love the honesty. Normally, people who have no interest in their money make excuses yeah, I really should. I know I should. It's a lot of shoulds. Nicole just straight up says she doesn't want to hear or think about it. That's actually refreshingly honest. Hey, I just talked about taking the win a few minutes ago. I'm going to take the win right now. I'm dealing with someone who's actually being honest with me. This shows me that Nicole is self-aware, which is a very good start. That's honest.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what it is about like personal finances or money. It just it makes me feel like I'm working in my personal life, and I work enough hours, you know. So, but I understand that these are my finances and this is my personal life. This is our future together. So, I know that I need to be more involved.
0: And what's the pattern that has emerged between the two of you? For example, who's the one who brings up the money conversations?
1: Alex, one hundred percent of the time, yeah. always brings up the money.
0: Yeah. And who was the one who asked to be on this podcast?
1: Alex, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know that it's unfair of me not to, like I'm fully aware of that. And I think that I judge myself. Like it's an awful thing to put that all on Alex, but I have no interest. I just, Mm -hmm. I can't find the interest. I, I try to have interest and I've tried to you know, sit down and look at spreadsheets and I don't know, like, yeah graphs that Alex puts together on like our timeline and stuff like that. And I just, I cannot get excited. But,
0: but those sound horrible to me. Like, they're- like, okay, if you gave me a really cool graph, <laughs> I mean, do you think I'm going to get excited about that?
2: I don't think anybody would. Exactly. I am not excited myself and I do all those things. It's just like things that I'm trying. I'm just trying, really trying to figure out what can work for her.
0: Mm-hmm. And how, how long do you talk about this stuff for?
2: I would say that it, the conversation usually lasts about a minute to two because she's automatically shuts off about it. Like, she doesn't want to talk about it, but like, they're very, very short because they're just, there's no interest. And so it's like, it gets shut off immediately.
0: So how, how does it go? Just have the conversation with each other. I'd like to understand it.
1: Alex, I am coming off of a, I don't know, a 10, 11 hour work day. Why on earth would I want to work more right now is my usual question.
2: And I would say something like, well, you can work a little bit longer now that you have the energy and then in two years not have to do anything. And then it shuts off.
0: (laughs) This is cool. This is helpful. Now that you just replayed that for me, what do you both notice about that interaction?
1: It's immediately tense. Like I I felt myself whenever Alex was describing her perspective getting a little bit like frustrated. just at like the start of the conversation, and it makes me want to turn off. It makes mm-hmm. me want to shut, shut, cut the conversation off because I genuinely cannot see her her perspective. I can't see her side of it. I can't imagine myself working more than ten hours a day.
2: Like,
0: okay, okay. Alex, what do you notice about that interaction?
2: That I perhaps there's like a lack of. I mean, I think for me, it just comes from how many times I talked about it. And now it's more like a frustrating thing. So like, there's a lack of like, while at the beginning, I was very much way more understanding and more, more, not calm. I don't know if that's the word, but like, just more chill about the conversation because it's been years of trying to have the conversation. Now it's very much like we should do that or understand why you don't want to do this. Mm. Yeah.
0: What do you think I noticed about that interaction?
2: I'm not sure. I think that they were completely on two different spectrums.
0: Yeah. I noticed that, um, it happens late at night. Red flag. Number one, you're tired. Well, one of you is more tired than the other. It happens when you're unbalanced. One person is almost ambushing the other. There's not a set time where you both know that this is the topic we're going to talk about. I noticed that it has a dynamic where Alex you're going I want you to do this and Nicole you're going no. So there's this pursuer-pursuee relationship and dynamic at play. I'm guessing that you see that a lot. I mean, look at who decided to talk about coming on the podcast and say like, "All right, fine." right? It's one person kind of leading the way. Finally, I noticed that it's not fun. No. It's a drag. (laughs) Both of you, at least you're both agreeing on that. It's a total drag. A 100%. And I don't want that. You've got to have a way of having these conversations that is actually productive. Because right now, I don't blame either of you for the way that you act around money. It's like, man, if I had the same conversation with my wife for five years, and then like nothing changed... We would be frustrated and we'd be jabbing at each other and just like, I don't need the small talk. Let's just get to it. You really need to do this. So I don't blame you. I do think maybe there's a better way.
2: Okay.
0: All right. Nicole, are you willing to share the name of this dog you want to get?
1: It's named Bailey in my brain.
0: Bailey. Okay. Cute name. (laughs) All right. So just dream with me for a second, Nicole. You get this dog and, you know, The dog is great. So dog's at home with you, keeps your feet warm, you know, take the dog out for a walk. Awesome. I see the smile on your face. So you love the dog. Great. What about when, you know, you travel? What would you do then?
1: Well, okay. I have this planned out. Um, I would have a small enough dog so I could take it on a plane with us.
2: But when she says she thought this through, Uh, to get the dog to Europe is not as easy. So in reality, even if the dog is small, there's very few, you know, airlines and all of that, that would actually help us get the dog over there.
1: Then I I take it another step and I'm like, we have such a huge support system in LA. So many friends who would dog sit our dog for X amount of time that we're in Europe. Um, So I don't I still think that there are ways that we can compromise and work around it.
2: But I don't think our friends, any of our friends would agree to hold, like keep the dog for a month. Like when we're talking about a week, like a weekend trip, I'm 100% on board. And I agree with Nicole, we'd have so many people that would take care of the dog. But asking friends for like a month, at least, I think would have a harder time finding people that would be okay with that.
0: So, a lot of uncertainty around this decision. The dog question is a legitimate one. You probably could afford it. Maybe you could probably find a way for certain friends to share taking care of the dog. It's possible. But I think something that Alex said earlier really sticks with me, which is Alex, you said if it was just you, you would probably get a dog. But it's the fact that the two of you and i think the implication was you're not quite sure if nicole can manage things properly with this dog am i interpreting that correctly
2: yes okay time wise but also money wise okay
0: nicole do you do you see that that it's not really about the affordability
2: i mean i see that it's it's
1: made pretty clear to me now yeah. i think especially In terms of comparing Alex's answers, you know, before, if she, getting the dog to Europe isn't a concern for her if she's by herself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So how can it be different if it's the two of you?
1: Exactly. So it makes me feel kind of bad that she doesn't have, I guess, like the faith in me to be Mm -hmm. able to take care of a dog.
0: So that's, that's what I want to focus on today. Because whether you get a dog or not, that's not my focus. I think that's a detail in the grand scheme of your lives. But I do think that if you're planning to get married and start a family, you want to have a partner you can trust and somebody you can rely on. And life gets complicated. You know, Somebody gets sick and you have to take care of elderly parents, whatever. You got to know that I can trust my partner. Time, money, and also being able to be flexible in the way they talk about this stuff and think about it. So we might come back to the dog, okay? <laughs> but the dog is just a detail, right? Until you can work together on the finances and the, the vision that you two of you have, you're just going to be fighting over these, like spinning over a dog. And it's, it's not about a dog. It's bigger than that. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, Nicole, when you think about your rich life, what is your rich life?
1: Um, you know, doing what I love, moving up in my in my career, and um, you know, getting to travel. Sure, but building out this family because I think that it's whenever you say rich life, it could be so much more than just finances, right? It's having a big family. It's having the dog. It's having it's it's being happy, right? I want to start family planning. I want to. Um, I want to have a couple of kids, you know, I want to, and I know that that's more expensive for us because we're LGBT, but I want to have a big family of my own. You know, we both come from larger families, I guess, having the people there, having the family, having the experience to go see our own families and watching that grow is something that I really want.
0: You mentioned the costs, um, talk to me a little bit about what those costs are for you.
1: Yeah, so we would, we're two ladies, so we would have to um, get a sperm donor.
0: I'm so glad that Alex and Nicole shared this moment. These family planning expenses, like a sperm donor, are common expenses for LGBTQ couples. But if you're in a heterosexual relationship, it's likely you never even thought of this. I know I didn't. Until I talked to my gay friends who told me they spent over $125,000 on a surrogate for their son. That's money that came directly out of pocket. This is yet another example of how money is political. Think about what gets covered, for whom. That's one of the reasons that I insist we talk about the links between money and politics. And I want to give a special shout out to my coworker, Sydney who instantly recognized that this would be a part of Alex and Nicole's story. I didn't catch it, but she did. And I want to thank her for that. And so what what are the costs with this?
1: You can get sperm for a thousand dollars, (laughs) right? On some nicer clinics, it costs a lot more, you know, upwards of $10,000. And, you know, that's something that makes me nervous because that's just the sperm. You know, that's not insemination. That's not hospital costs. That's not doctor's visits. That's not diapers. That's not, that's not school. That's, that's your base cost. That's the first cost Where for straight couples. That's free. You know, sperm is free. Then on top of that, let's say that we can't get pregnant. Um, without IVF, then we have to do IVF. And each round of IVF is thousands of dollars. What if it doesn't take the first time? And it likely won't. So already, you know, we're looking at a huge cost. You're starting in the deficit and that scares me. And that's why, you know, I know that I need to change. And that's why, like, in terms of getting interested in money in some kind of a way to be able to plan for this stuff, um, because right now it's just kind of looking a little bit bleak.
0: It sounds expensive. I don't I don't want to minimize it, but the rest of your lives that you both described, it's a beautiful life. You know, you're traveling, you have children, you're seeing family, you're going... That's arguably more expensive than having those children in the first place. True.
1: I guess it's the cost coupled together, you know, because I want to be able to afford to have this rich life. But the thought of the down payment on this life, which is starting those lives getting the sperm getting the the treatments getting the having the babies you know like that that is nerve-wracking
0: yeah so if someone were listening to this and if they were very mathematically oriented they would say well nicole i don't get it you know you have said that you're not interested in money and you've articulated this vision of what you want you even know that it's expensive to have children. So why don't you just start handling your money? That's what they would say. I would not say that. What I want to know is what is stopping you from engaging with your money?
1: I don't know. I genuinely like don't know what my my block is. It's Maybe it's not being able to focus because I'm not interested in it, but I know that it's something that's crucial and vital. Maybe it's like an initial, maybe it's a subconscious kind of fear, you know, from actually growing up and starting that, like that could totally be it.
0: Nicole is giving me a little bit of the innocent dough routine. What, me? Little old me? I have no idea why I can't engage with my money. Most people use this technique because it works. How can you argue with someone who says, I'm just not interested? but I'm not going to let her off that easy. There's a puzzle here because Nicole has these vivid visions of a dog, Bailey, and having a family and traveling. But the fact is, she can't do any of those things unless she engages with her money. This is one of the reasons I started I Will Teach You to Be Rich because I'm fascinated with the difference between what we claim we want and what we actually do. So I started probing With Nicole, I have a friend of mine who's always cold. She told me she and her partner have totally different temperatures when they sleep. She goes to bed in a flannel pajama. She's got extra blankets. Her partner's running hot. So now she recently started testing the pod cover from 8sleep, one of our sponsors. Before she goes to sleep, she gets on the app, cranks up the heat, and when she gets into bed at night, it's already warm and waiting for her. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on your bed like a fitted sheet Improve the way you sleep by using my link at 8sleep.com slash Ramit for $200 off plus free shipping on their high-tech Pod 3 cover. That's 8sleep.com slash Ramit, E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T, for a better, smarter sleep. I get tons of email every single day, and I want to give you a behind-the-scenes look at how I manage emails from my team, from my family Unlike you barbarians who literally click and peck through every single email, you to mark it unread, S to star it, J or K to cycle through messages. I use keystrokes to schedule messages, like when I want to ask one of my coworkers a question, but I don't want to send them an email on a Saturday. Now I can work through dozens of emails in minutes using this. And Superhuman just introduced an AI feature, which allows you to take a huge email with all these people chiming in automatically summarize what's going on in a few bullet points. It'll even draft emails for you. So if you want to buy back your time, Superhuman is a no-brainer to me. It's something I spend my own money on and I love it. Right now, all IWT listeners will get a free month of Superhuman. You can get started at superhuman.com slash Ramit. That's superhuman.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T.
1: So both of my parents are blue-collar workers. My dad's a truck driver, and my mom is a postal worker. So I grew up with a lot of anxiety around money. It it always made me nervous because my parents had credit card debt, so I never got a credit card. You know, how much?
2: uh,
1: Not you know, it's like one of those things where never your kid, you just don't know. But I do, you know, it's enough that I could feel as a child feel the stress, feel the feel the worry surrounding it.
0: Do you remember phrases that you overheard them talking about with money growing up?
1: struggle, (laughs) um, you know, uh, mortgage, second mortgage, you know, like those things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's things that you're not sure of the specifics, but you know, that something happened. Right. So
0: was money ever a source of positivity for you growing up?
1: Not really. I mean, you know, I got, I got my allowance, you know? So maybe that was positive that, you know, I'd get to go buy a shirt or something with my allowance.
0: How much did you get?
1: Yeah. Like $10 a week.
0: And what would you do with it?
1: I would go to the movies with my friends, you know, like do small, I've always spent my money on social activities. of so getting out in the world and doing something, I, I never saved it. You know, okay. it was like, I, I earn it, I spend it. So okay. that was kind of my, I guess, and it really shaped my adulthood now that I'm thinking about it. Cause I, I earn it, I spend it, you know? Mm. So
0: did Sorry. you ever make that connection before?
1: I didn't, no. i try not to overanalyze some of these things, you know, because it, it does make you a little bit nervous.
0: <laughs> no need to be nervous. I mean, this is your own experience. You know, yeah. you're just trying to understand why you do the things you do. Yeah. You mentioned at the beginning today of our call, you know, sometimes you feel bad. And I hate hearing that. I don't want you to feel bad about money. I don't want you to have to avoid it. You have memories that you don't even quite remember from childhood, like stress and second mortgage. doesn't even make sense, but you know it's bad. And so until you can confront those things and say, whoa, now that I think about it, I got my allowance, I spent it. Whoa, now that I'm an adult, I get my money, I spend it. And you make those connections. Until you can do that, it's so uh, all-encompassing, so confusing And so negative, you just go, I don't want to feel this way. I'm walking out of here. And I'd rather just go and play with a dog or my friends or whoever, just not feel this way.
1: Completely. I think that you just read me like a book, honestly, because that's exactly how it feels. I just don't, maybe that's, I think that you're spot on that. That's exactly where my discomfort with talking about money comes from. I just, it gives me anxiety. It gives me frustration and it gives me fear, you know?
0: Yeah. And no chart is going to change that. (laughs) No matter how pretty the color But here's the thing, though. There is a day where I can see you, Nicole, totally engaging with a chart. There is a day where I can see you saying, you know what, Alex, thank you for helping me create a debt payoff plan, but I got this from now on. I want to start owning this. I might need your help. I'd love it if we could talk once a month and I can just check in with you but i want to take this on for myself. Do you believe that there's a future where you might say something like that?
1: It's a possibility, but i think a lot of things have to change within myself before i can get there.
0: Tell me, what might they be?
1: I don't know, i guess like a willingness to confront my fears or i don't know, i guess like my my habits or you know, a willingness to plan out my future. You know, i'm such a person that's i want to live every day for that day and not think about tomorrow. I don't know if it's just like something where I don't really want to grow up and commit to being an an adult, right? Or like if it's, I mean, who who knows what the real issue there is, but I also feel such a comfort. (laughs) This sounds ridiculous, but I feel such a comfort whenever she says, I've got this, you know, it's, it's fine. You know, that's who wouldn't feel comforted by that. So
0: what does that comfort feel like to you? What does it remind you of?
1: I don't know. I guess it reminds it reminds me of an authority figure. I guess I don't know. I don't want to like make it weird, but like almost like my parents, we've got this. Mm-hmm. You can walk away and you can spend that ten dollar allowance that you have and we've got everything
2: else. You know, that's that's what it feels like to me. So
0: Alex, does that resonate with you? That she feels that way.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's and in a way, that's the I am glad that I can provide that sort of like source of non-anxiety because she knows that I've got it, but I would also kind of like would love to also relax a little bit and remove that anxiety from my plate as well. Because then I feel like I'm always, always thinking because I know that that's how she wants to live her life. And that's how I would want to live my life too. Honestly, I wouldn't want to worry about anything, but, but I wish we could swap every once in a while, but right now that's that's just not possible. I'm more like I'm I'm the doer. I'm the fixer. I I I'm the thinker, the planner.
0: And what is Nicole?
2: Nicole is the I don't know. Like she, I I think it's just also the set of skills that we have.
0: Mm -mm -mm, It's not that. Nicole, what are you in the relationship if she's the fixer and the planner and the doer and the thinker?
1: Gosh, it makes me feel like I'm the problem, you know? At least that's the way it makes me feel. Like I'm the one that's bringing in the problems and she's the one that's cleaning up after the mess, you know? Well, I
2: don't think you're the problem though.
1: I I would hope
2: I'm not the problem,
1: (laughs) but I I don't know. I guess it makes me feel like, I don't know what I would be. I, I... I don't know what my place, I guess, in that relationship is. What would
0: you want to be described as?
1: I would want to be described as an equal partner. You know, Somebody who can alleviate her stress as well. Love
0: it. Both of you use the word partner. I love that. That's how I think about my wife and me. She's better at certain things. I'm better at certain things. That's okay. We can support each other. There are certain things she does only around the house and then there are certain things that we both do and there are certain things that I do. Partnerships can work however you define it. But right now it seems that it's out of whack. And if you want to be partners then money's a one of those core things. It's kind of like childcare. You can't just have one person being the parent. It's so all encompassing that both parents have to parent in some way. Yeah, sure. Money's the same. What do you think about that, Nicole?
1: I mean, I completely agree. And I really kind of, I just feel guilty for dropping the ball, you know, and like creating this situation where I'm not, I guess, even trusted to handle my own money, you know, like that makes me feel bad.
0: Okay. I I, I totally hear you on that. And I'm sure that you're going to think about that. And you'll talk to Alex about that while we are together. Can we put a pin in that for you to think more about? And can we flip that? To be a positive perspective. Because feeling bad, if you just indulge in that and you start spinning around it, is it going to move you closer to your rich life?
1: No, it's going to give me more anxiety.
0: Exactly. It's this terrible cycle. It's just (laughs) terrible. And so I'm not saying that you should stop feeling that way. I honor your feelings. You've got to honor them too. You've got to work through them in whatever format you choose therapist, friend, partner, whatever. But let's, for the time that we are together, let's flip it to see if we can help you get closer to your rich life. So, you want to be a partner in this relationship. Actually, both of you want to be partners in this relationship. Nicole, paint the picture for me. What would that look like as it relates to money?
1: Yes, I, I would be handling half of the financial decisions, so you know, if I feel like it means that my opinions and my ideas on what we what our next steps in life are taken seriously, you know, are respected almost and not just shot down immediately. I think that, you know, it would also be me stepping up, you know, and taking more of the reins and taking ownership of the debt that I brought into this relationship and the ways that we can grow our wealth to hit our rich life in the future.
0: That sounds pretty good. I like that you, you, insisted on two things that was really cool first you said i want to be taken seriously i think implying if i can read between the lines that currently you know when you bring up certain things maybe you're not seen in an equal light in terms of what you want to do financially etc second and i especially love this one you said i need to step up right i can have higher expectations for my partner But in order to have those expectations, I need to also step up. This is a turning point. Remember at the beginning of this episode, when I said that whenever you hear a couple where one partner is unengaged with money, the usual advice is to berate that person and shake them and tell them, this is really important. You really need to pay attention to it. Hey, just look at this compound interest chart. And I told you, that's not my philosophy, that I take a different approach. Well, here we are just a few minutes later with Nicole herself admitting that she needs to step up and that she expects to be taken seriously and that she wants to put more skin in the game and take responsibility for her finances. How do you think that happened? It's all right here, right in front of you in this episode. Think about it and think about how you can apply that to your rich life?
2: Because finances and all of it, it's become such a big central part of like my life, our lives and our relationship that it's almost kind of like that's in a way 80% of what we are, right? You're so, the financial
0: person and she's the what? Dog lover. <laughs> okay. She's
2: the, she's I don't know, I guess she's the YOLO person. Okay. Kinda, kinda,
0: Nicole, would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I, okay. I, I would
0: what agree. an interesting dynamic. Very common, by the way. Very common. One partner is sort of the we gotta sit down and like read the books and like do the spreadsheet. <laughs> and they're always the ones who contact me, you know. And then the other <laughs> partners like, ah oh God, whatever. If this thing is gonna make it stop, fine, I'll get on this podcast. It's totally <laughs> common. And and I kind of love it because you know, I've seen the pattern before, but typically I find that the YOLO person. Deep down, they like nice stuff. Fine. I have no problem with that. You want to buy nice stuff? You want to have children? You want to live in a nice house or travel? Awesome. I'd love to talk about that. I typically find that there's just a few small tweaks we can make so that the YOLO person can still live a really good life, but they start to understand how their decisions connect with their bigger, rich life. You know, And they often discover that some of the stuff they've been spending money on is almost like a sugar high. It's stuff that they don't even remember a week later. Okay. And then similarly, Alex, you know, a lot of times people feel like they're put in the corner. They have to be the money, you know, enforcer. Does that sound familiar to you?
2: Yes. And but I feel like our dynamic is slightly different because I want to be the YOLO person and I by myself used to be as much the YOLO person, but now in this dynamic, I've become a hundred percent the finance person and i don't get to enjoy my yolo self
0: whoa
1: (laughs) and you know i saw it whenever we were dating you know down for whatever alex was always down to like go on a quick trip or you know just to you know blow money at the mall or you know whatever you know like we would we would do whatever now she's become so much more uptight. And I just feel like the concern of money it might be rich coming from me, but the concern of money is always on her mind. Just, it's just it brings her down, you know, and I, I hate to see that.
0: Alex, what is this? Where did this come from?
2: Like, we're getting married, so we're combining finances. Mm-hmm. More so than like, we have to be serious.
0: So theoretically, Alex, you used to be YOLO. Shouldn't it be like, oh, sweet! I just basically doubled my income. Now that I'm partnered with Nicole, isn't that like shouldn't be awesome, right?
2: Yes, and that's why the, everything then kind of started with the student loans. Because yes, we did double the income, but we also, for me, that had zero debt. We also added a hundred plus thousand dollars of debt. Mm-hmm. So, did we really double the income?
0: Okay. And, and what is your conclusion? What is your answer to that question?
2: I think we, more than doubling the income, we doubled the power that we have to tackle the debt because I am, contribu- we're contributing 50-50. Because I was like, if you have that in a way and we're ra- trying to, you know, we're becoming a family, we're tra- trying to create a family. As long as you have that, I have that. Hmm. Even though legally it's not mine, right? But it's like, you know, it's part of, if she has that, and she can't, do certain things. I also can't do certain things. So I'm hundred percent down to contribute 50, 50.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Go ahead.
2: That was her idea, by the way. So like, I never
1: asked for her to pay my debt or to like, feel like she needs to take on this huge responsibility. Like for me, Student debt and like going into college, I knew that I was going to come out with student debt. You know, I think that it's very normal for people, I I don't know, I guess like Americans at large, but especially people from my area to come out with debt, you know? So I I knew that I was going to come out with that. So, you know, it's just something where I was like, just going to live with that, you know? And
0: it was shocking. Nicole, being a partner in this relationship, what do you think a partner would say when it comes to their? student loan debt that they're bringing into the relationship.
1: I would. And when I tried to say it's my debt, you know, like I don't want you to feel pressured to pay for it. You know, like I understand that we're getting married and we're, we're, we're embarking on this joint life together. You know, I completely, that's what I want, you know, but I also know that I have to pay that. And I, I, hate that she's taken it on. Like, it makes me feel guilty and it makes me it makes Okay, let me l- l-
0: pause right there. You're about to spin into all the negative things. You're hearing a couple things. First, I'm not especially in love with this idea of 50-50 payments for Nicole's debt. But I'll get to that later. I've learned that sequencing is half the battle in these conversations. Right? Knowing when to bring certain things up. Second, notice how Nicole was about to spin into her negative script about money. That's where she lives. It's comfortable for her. And if you're having these discussions about money, you have to find a way to avoid these weeds. One way is to create a funny word, like negative Nancy, and then use it almost as a half joke. Uh-oh, it seems like negative Nancy is starting to come out. Can we take a quick break? Hell, you can use my name if you want to. Oh, wow. Wow. Ramit says we have to stay out of the weeds and I get the feeling we're about to head there. Can we pause and focus on the positive for just a minute? With Nicole, I gently encouraged her to refocus on the positive. Just listen in. One of my money dials is generosity. For example, I love tipping big. I love buying gifts and experiences for my family. And recently, I bought my parents a subscription to Delete Me, this episode's sponsor. Delete Me is a subscription service that will remove your personal information that's being sold online. If you've ever Googled your name, you'll notice tons of search results with your personal information being shared online. That's not okay. It's not okay for you. It's definitely not okay for your family, including your parents. Now, Delete Me will remove it all. Your name, address, phone number, all of it. It automatically works in the background to scan and delete your personal information from over 30 data brokers, but they'll do custom requests on over 580 data brokers total. The thing is, identity theft is a real issue. An estimated 15 million Americans had their identity stolen in 2021. We've had a number of people on this very show who were victims of identity theft, and often it put them into tens of thousands of dollars of credit card debt, and it ruined their credit. That's why I find Delete Me so valuable. It's a service that I personally use, and I love it. They reviewed over 4,600 listings for me and removed dozens of pieces of personal information. I knew it would be important to protect my parents too, but I also knew that they probably wouldn't sign up themselves, so I just got it for them. So if generosity is one of your money dials, great. If you care about your parents at all, if you have ever given them a hug, just sign them up. You know they aren't going to do it for themselves, but you also know that they probably need it. So if you want to get your personal information and the personal information of your loved ones removed from search results on the web, go to joindeleteme.com slash Ramit for 20% off a plan for you or your entire family. That's joindeleteme.com slash Ramit, R-A-M-I-T for 20% off. Okay, here's the scenario. You go to In-N-Out. You get the meal. The whole thing costs $7. Next month you go, same meal, same food, same taste, $14. Bucks. Go, what the hell? Then the next time, three weeks later, it's 20 bucks. Then 50 bucks. Then $475. You go, what planet am I on right now? That's what it's like to pay a percentage of your portfolio to a financial advisor. That 1% fee that so many of your parents are paying and don't even know it, sounds like just a little bit, but it's 1% of your portfolio compounded every single year. If you're looking for a financial advisor, there's a better way. It's called a flat fee. Let me tell you how it works. Now, Facet is a service that offers affordable, accessible financial planning through a flat fee membership. With a fee-based advisor like Facet, your fee remains the same as your investments grow. So you make more and you keep more. Facet is giving my listeners an exclusive offer. They're going to waive that $250 enrollment fee for new annual members, and they'll give you $500 into your brokerage account when you invest $5,000 in the first 90 days. If you are looking for a financial advisor, you want to get a second set of eyes on your finances, I would recommend facet.com slash remit. Again, facet.com slash remit. Sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth, Inc. FACET is an SEC-registered investment advisor headquartered in Baltimore, Maryland. This is not an offer to sell securities or investment, financial, legal, or tax advice. Past performance is not a guarantee of future performance. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Alex, thank you so much, genuinely, for everything that you do. Not just for me or for us, you know, and for the future that we're paving together because I would be lost without your help. I would like to accept your help if graciously, truly. Um, and I would like to get real and serious about this and get serious about the debt that I brought into our relationship and the, the debt that I brought into your life. And I, I really appreciate you, you taking on my debt as yours. Like, it's never something that I asked for expected from you, but it's something that I'm truly grateful that you did and that you're continuing to do.
0: What a difference when she focuses on the positive. In retrospect, Nicole focusing on all the negative aspects of money is actually selfish. Even though she probably didn't intend that. When you jump into automatic negative scripts, you're focused on yourself, your own insecurities, your worries, Your fears. But a relationship isn't just about your own issues. It's about working together towards a rich life. I just love what a different perspective this is. It's positive, it's significant, it's meaningful. We can build on this. And now I want to get to the idea that a partnership to them means 50 50. Nicole. What has the effect been of Alex offering to pay 50% of your student loans? What do you think they are?
1: Well, I guess to start on a positive, it's that we've beat my dad down a lot faster than I would have alone, which is phenomenal. But I do think that it's taken an emotional toll on us where it's set up almost like a, a dynamic where she feels like she needs to take care of where she feels like she needs to really step up and overachieve. Yeah.
0: And what do you feel, Nicole?
1: It makes me feel insecure, you know? Because? Because I feel like, it makes me feel like I can't do it on my
0: own. So you're disempowered. Alex, you're like, what happened to my YOLO life? I (laughs) used to be able to just go anywhere. And the two of you have this weird dynamic where it's almost an authority figure, but not really... You can't quite label what Nicole is in this relationship. And yes, you are paying the debt off very quickly, which is awesome. Okay. My point is not that you should stop paying everything towards Nicole's debt. That's not my Mm -hmm. point. What is my point, Alex?
2: That I should create a dynamic where it's not, it doesn't, like it doesn't have to fall 50-50 on you know, 50-50, basically. Correct. It, it can be different and achieving the same result by just splitting it in a different way.
0: Yeah. And to put it bluntly, what what would it mean if it took an extra six months to pay this debt off, but the dynamic between you was true partners? It would feel worth it to me. For the rest of your lives. It would be awesome. Awesome. And yet right now we've got Alex, taking on this burden fifty without even really communicating, uh, without getting the appreciation that you deserve. And then Nicole, what was your part in this? When she said, I'll pay off your debt 50%, you accepted it. But let me ask you this, a partner, put it this way. If I had a business partner and I walked in and we're going to start a business. Oh, and by the way, I make $10,000 more than my business partner. And I brought in some debt. What would I do to be a good partner in that relationship?
1: Step up and pay more.
0: Bingo. Bingo. I love that you said that. How do you feel saying that?
1: feel good. Fuck yeah. I feel great. (laughs) I feel feel empowered.
0: Exactly. Because you're admitting this is what a good partner does. So you can still accept the help of Alex. Alex, if you want to contribute to this debt, okay, that's up to you too. But a true partner, Nicole, says, you know what? Alex, I really appreciate that you've got me on a path to pay this off. I didn't even realize. Truthfully, I had my head in the sand paying the minimum. You've set me up. But I now realize in order to be a partner, I need to step up. So this is what I want to do. Number one, I would love it if we could set up time on Sunday in the morning. Let's go walk, get some coffee. We'll both feel good. And I would love it if you could show me that website. How do I log in? How do I set this up? Once... Would be great for me. And then I'll take it from there. And the second thing is, I want to pay way more. This is my debt. I believe that I should pay, I don't know the number. It could be 60%. Do you have a number in mind, Nicole? You look like you're ready to blurt it out.
1: (laughs) I mean, I would love to pay around 70, 75%. You know, like I'd love to pay as much as I can. And, you know, I already pay like, Every spare dollar that I have, it either goes to our wedding fund, our savings, or my debt, you know? So maybe a reallocation of those three, you know, or something like that, where I can take on this burden more so than than Alex does.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So you step up and you know, you might have a conversation about that. And Alex, you might say, you know what? I totally appreciate that. Um, that sounds great. Maybe we can reevaluate after six months. You can always change the rules later, but to be able to have your partner step up and say, you know what? You did so much for me. Now it's my turn to take this on. And uh, Nicole, by the way, here's a little secret code. What did Alex say she really wants to do more of? What she used to do all the time? Live that YOLO life. Live that YOLO life. And <laughs> so when you tell her, hey, I'd like to take on 70%, I still appreciate you contributing 30%. It means the world to me. But instead of you contributing, I don't know, 500 bucks a month, why don't you take that and just contribute 200, take the 300 back for yourself, and then tell her what she might be able to do with that money? What would you say to her?
1: I would say take that 200, 300 bucks and plan a trip with your friends or, you know, go out, go out somewhere, <laughs> go to go to a nice dinner, you know, live your best life, go get some more clothes, you know, like do.
0: <laughs> you earned yeah. it. Yeah, do it, you know. And Alex, then it's up to you, you know, to decide how do you want to spend that, right? And if you want to go out to a great dinner, do it. You want to put some towards your wedding fund, also do it. But suddenly, there's a bit more of an equality in this relationship, which I okay. love, and it feels good to everybody.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's okay. exciting. Completely.
0: Ah, oh, I'm happy so <laughs> far. How are you both feeling right now?
1: Feeling a good. lot better.
0: Okay, I think we're at the point where we've. Already had a pretty cool breakthrough. Uh, actually, two breakthroughs. One about growing up with your parents, and two about what does a partner do? Let's come back to the dog for just a second. Do you remember how in the beginning I said, okay, Bailey sounds nice? Let's put a pin in Bailey. We're coming back to Bailey. Nicole, do you see how Bailey fits into the overall vision of your rich life? I
1: do. I do. I, I see that. She's not something that I can just have right now, you know, but something that I need to show Alex that I can be responsible for Bailey and money in all the ways, right? In life and in finances and knowing what our situation is fully enough to be able to say, yeah, we can afford a dog and this is why, you know, or that sounds, it sounds, it gives me more confidence in being able to back that big decision up, you know?
2: It's beautiful. I feel like she's going to come back to me with a chart about the dog <laughs> when she's finally figured out all the, the parts of it. And wouldn't you be proud? That would be
0: the <laughs> ultimate flex. Nicole comes in with the most complex chart of all. She's like, she's like don't even bother trying to use these pivot tables. You have no there's no human chance for you to understand what's going on in this model that I created, but just enjoy the beauty of it. (laughs) And now we're going to get Bailey. That would be an amazing moment. Nicole, I think you read this situation exactly right. The dog is not just a dog. It represents so much more. It represents your ability to step up as a partner. It represents your ability to plan all of that. If and when you demonstrate that, I think it's going to have an awesome discussion between the two of you. Maybe you decide to get a dog. Maybe not. That's up to you two. But at least you're at the partner level discussing these big decisions.
1: It feels it feels exciting that I could do that in the future because it's something that I never really envisioned for my, you know, in my grand scheme of life, I never thought you can manage money. You know, it's just, I don't know why, but it feels like I left it a roadblock, you know, and it's great.
0: I totally believe it. Are there any questions that I can answer for either of you?
1: Gosh. Uh,
2: I have more of a, I guess, a specific question. Sure. For work, I get bonuses and this kind of stuff. And how would you allocate that bonus that you're getting? What would be this, you know, what would you suggest?
0: This is a great question. So I would actually like for the two of you to talk about this because this is a great question for two partners to discuss. And I'll offer my thoughts at the end, but let me listen in.
1: So your bonus is about $17,000. I think that we don't have to put it all in one place, you know? And I mean, so we found out about this today. Um, So... Alex's overall thought was let's put it directly into the 401k. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like it's a great, that's a great investment opportunity and it's not money that we would have had before, right, Alex? Like this is it came in, so might as well put it there. But I don't I don't know. I feel like I'm not totally sold on the plan that we had before.
0: Do you know what a 401k does?
1: Um, it it takes your money before you've taxed. And then you you save it. And then mm-hmm. whenever you're retiring, you take it out and you pay tax on that later.
0: Mm-hmm. And what happened? Like, what's the point of all that? To retire. So okay. the money like grows a lot. So you put yeah. 17K and then when you retire, you pull it out. And like, how much is it as a guess?
1: Oh my gosh, I have no idea. I would say, wow, I really don't know. This is gonna make me sound really dumb, but I'm gonna say like a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know.
0: Okay. That's that fine. Long? But if you want to know that $17,000 would turn into about $181,000. Oh
1: my God. That's so much. So maybe we should, let's put it in for <laughs> one day, you know?
0: So here's my question. Nicole, I feel like you answered that question as the old Nicole. I the did. old Nicole, what would the old Nicole have done?
1: I would have asked Alex, what do you want to do at that? And let her do with it what she
0: wanted. Okay, that's true. That's true. That's the old, old Nicole. Yeah. The old of like an hour ago, Nicole would have said what you just said, which is like, well, I don't know if I'm not sold on the 401k. But what did I say about how do you become confident with money?
1: Um, you you become competent.
0: Exactly. And so sure. one of the ways to know you're competent with money is to to be able to say, okay, Well, if we took that $17,000, let's break out all of our options. First question, if you put it in a 401k, how much is that going to turn into? You got to know the basic numbers. Otherwise, how can you make a decision? Yeah. And I think that is what Alex is really looking for in a partner. You want to get a dog? Okay, but tell me everything. Show me the plan and let's have a discussion about it. And Any partner, if they come up with an idea or proposal, they got to be able to back it up, right? Just as we would do at work. So 17000 bucks over about 35 years conservatively turns into about $181,000. That's pretty cool.
1: It's way more than what I would have imagined. And I think what's cool about it too is, you know, this isn't money that either of us were expecting. This isn't, you know, this is money that not necessarily you worked hard for it, right? This is, but this is money that. Fell into our lap. That's lovely, you know? So it's lovely to contribute that for
0: later. Yeah. So now you start to have this conversation where you go, wow. Okay. So that's option one. That's a great option. Oh my God, high five. Like, we didn't even expect this, but that's an amazing option. Okay, let's play out option two. YOLO. Let's just go out and take an amazing trip. Yeah, we could do that. Maybe we can find some middle ground. If it were me, it might, you know, I have my own rule of thumb. When I get unexpected money. I take 50% of it, I invest it, I take 50% of it and I spend it. Okay, that's my <laughs> rule though. I wouldn't recommend that rule for you because you're in a different financial situation. I might do something like, what do you think? Which direction do you think my rule would change for you?
2: You wouldn't like invest the majority of it, but still keep some for the the reward. And that's the, exactly the right. Enjoying, yeah. pick,
0: pick the number. What number do you think would make sense for you?
2: I would put everything in the 401k. And if I need to spend a thousand, I'll just grab it from the money that it's already sitting in my account.
0: Okay. That's cool if it was just you. But now you're in a partnership. So what do you think that an answer might be that would honor what both of you want with your money?
2: To just take some of it and plan a trip.
0: What percent? What percent should you invest and what percent should you YOLO?
2: I would probably invest like 80% of it and then 20% do something with it now. Okay.
0: Okay. I have the discussion now. Now you two are getting specific. I love when you two of you get specific because then you can really like talk about real details. Otherwise, it's just like, this is what I think. And it's up in the sky. It's too crazy when you're up there. It's actually (laughs) dangerous because people start talking about, this is what I feel. And feelings are good. But... I don't want you talking about this stuff for three hours. Okay. You've come with a proposal, Alex. I think 80% in our 401k, which will turn into like a lot of money, six figures. And I think we should take $3,400. And what, what are you going to do with that money?
2: I would, uh, I would put it towards our honeymoon.
0: Great. Okay. Ask her, ask Nicole what she thinks.
2: Would you would you wanna do that? Add that extra thirty four hundred dollars to the honeymoon. Do you think that would be a a good way to use that money? Or would you want to do something sooner than that with it?
1: I definitely like the idea of using it towards the honeymoon because we both want this to be like a blowout trip, one a trip that we could never go on in our lives again, you know, like you're, you know, as far you know, as far as we can see right now. So I like I love that idea. I almost would want to do like, I don't know, like 75% inside, it. you know, around that same, but you know, like 3,400, like, I don't know, (laughs) 4,500, I don't know, I don't know, I'm like, I have a hard time conceptualizing percents, (laughs) I feel like of some, so for me, it feels like let's figure out how much money we need to make our dream honeymoon a reality and see how much we need to put down for that, right?
2: Well, it just depends on like, you have to feel like, if you go, I think if you go about it in that way, then you're going to end up wanting to put all of it in the honeymoon because the more you can dream, right?
1: And yeah, I, I guess, I mean, like dream with limits, obviously, you know, like not like just out of the moon, you know, but.
0: So this also- is the, this is the work that the two of you have to do. So this is a great example where the two of you go, okay, cool. Well, first of all, let's pour a glass of wine and talk about this because we have $17,000 to decide what to do with. This is awesome. This is a great discussion. It's not stressful. It's fun. So mentally getting in that place, not talking about this at night when everyone's tired, but like, oh, this is a good time. You know, We got some music on. Let's talk about this stuff. This is great. Second, Nicole, you said, I don't know how to think in terms of percentages or I find it difficult. Cool. I bet Alex could uh, work with you and say, well, let's talk about it. Here's how the numbers break down. What do you think makes sense? I don't know. That seems a little, if we do that, then we're actually costing ourselves $50,000 at retirement. So what if we do something else? That's how you have that discussion. That's
1: amazing. And I didn't even think about what it would cost us in the future. You know, that's like an element that I didn't even bring into it, like yeah. that opportunity cost in that future. Yeah. So,
0: Alex, did you catch that? You were thinking opportunity cost, right? Right off the bat. That's not how she thinks about money yet. Yes. But she will. And both of you will. And suddenly now you're going to be speaking the same language. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So money can be joyful. In this case, you have a perfect opportunity to talk about money in a joyful way because you have 17,000 bucks to decide what to do with. That's amazing. Yeah. Let me leave you with just a a few last parting words. And it's something that you actually just said, Nicole, it just, it really perked my ears up. You said, we wanna go on a honeymoon. That's like once in a lifetime, like we could never go on that again. And I wanna share something with you. So we went on a really amazing honeymoon. Uh, It was long and it was in different countries and we saw all kinds of stuff. And we had also described it as once in a lifetime. And on the last night, my wife, when we met and we started talking about money, she had more of a sense of scarcity than I did. I was like, well, we can just make more money. Compound interest, you know, it's so cool. Tax-advantaged accounts. And she was not thinking like that. We, we spent a lot of time working together. She took money seriously. She got her own outside training. She worked on her money psychology. She worked on her earnings. We are total partners. It's awesome. And on the last day, we were in Thailand. We're looking out on this sunset. It was like out of a movie. And she goes, normally at the end of a trip like this, I would be sad because I know we could never come back. But now I know if we ever want to come back, we can. What a moment, right? For my partner, my wife, we're just at the same level. We're total partners. And every year after that, except for COVID, we have done similar trip. Mind-blowing. Crazy. We did it together because we had to plan all year how to do it, how to earn enough, all that stuff, but we did it. So I love that little verbal slip up you had, which was like once in a lifetime. Maybe it is, or maybe it's something that the two of you who both love traveling can do frequently. Wouldn't that be special?
1: A dream. Yes.
0: All Right. That's what money can do for you. I wish you... Both the best. It is such a pleasure to talk to both of you.
1: It was lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much for changing my mind about money.
0: (laughs) The thing I love most about today's episode is the transformation. Nicole came in here openly not caring about money, even though Alex wanted her to. It would have been very tempting to sit here and lecture her about you really should do this, retirement, tax advantages, and compound interest. Trust me, if a compound interest chart was going to change anybody's life, it already would have. Instead, there was a way of meeting her where she was. Nicole has a vision of her rich life. Bailey fits in there. Traveling to Europe fits in there. But I don't think she'd ever had the chance to really talk about it, to really connect money to that vision of a rich life. And when she did, she quickly started to realize that she does need to be more engaged with money, that it can't always be Alex taking the lead. I appreciate them, especially Nicole, for coming on and being so open about that. I also appreciate them for sharing some of the things that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to expenses. LGBTQ relationships have expenses that straight couples don't have. And I also want to thank my coworker Sydney again for flagging that now, money is politics and money is political and you'll continue to hear about that on this show you know it's interesting Nicole was able to change her mind about money there was no magical chart no magical spreadsheet I gave her that did it it was her changing her own psychology and you could hear it on this episode A lot of people think that they need some magical spreadsheet to change. No, in order to change, it's about making a decision to change and it's about mastering your money psychology. If you are interested in mastering your money psychology, I have a program a lot of you don't know about. It's called Wealth Triggers and it helps you master your money psychology so you can take dream vacations, so you can design a life you love. You can learn more at iwt.com. Slash wealth. That's IWT.com slash wealth. As always, thanks for listening to I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Thanks for listening to I Will Teach You to Be Rich. I'm Ramit Sethi. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't read I Will Teach You to Be Rich, my book, pick up a copy. You can get it at any bookstore or any library, and it will show you the specific tactics for how to build the I will teach you to be rich system into your personal finances.